0: community is immune to the dangers of substance use and addiction within the menominee tribe we've all seen the impacts firsthand that's why we need to talk about it as we join together to bring this problem out in the open in this podcast we'll focus on education highlight resources that are available talk about initiatives underway to deal with this public health threat and smash stereotypes that we all have about addiction the talk about it podcast is an initiative of the menominee indian drug addiction and intervention team with your hosts, Sheena and Gary. On this episode of the Talk About It podcast, we have Addie Caldwell from the Manasekia Wellness Center and Tribal Clinic Representative, Dr. Gunther. Welcome, Waiwainen, for joining us, and would you be able to tell us a little bit about yourselves?
1: So I'm Addie Caldwell. I'm the director at Manasekia Wellness Center I've been the director for about two years, Um, otherwise I've worked at the agency for around 11, and um, I've been in various different positions, but a lot of it has been surrounding uh, therapy work, so that's me.
2: And I'm Joe Gunther, I'm a family physician at the Menominee Tribal Clinic, I've been here for about 22 years now, I'm a family physician who's also boarded in addiction medicine, and we've been doing... Um, medication-assisted treatment in our, th- in our clinic for probably about five years now and I've been the primary physician working with that.
3: Okay. Um, so, you know, it's our understanding that timeliness is an important part of treating addiction. Um, so what has changed with the
1: assessment process to help with that uh, on the reservation? So at Manisekia, um we have tried to get rid of some different barriers that have been there before. So for instance, uh, we don't charge for the assessments any longer. Mm-hmm. So those are free. Um, we also try to make um, availability pretty quick. So like if we have someone in crisis, we can do same-day or next-day assessments um, where they're actually being seen by someone. Otherwise, uh, we've this has been a hard one for us because we haven't always been staffed fully, um, but we really try to stick within the realm of two weeks. But the crisis and same day is available when it's needed. So,
0: uh, Can you walk us through what the process of an assessment is and what does that look like?
1: Um, so for ours at Manasekia, Uh, It's usually around an hour and a half to two hours. Um, We're collecting basically a bio-social kind of assessment where we're looking at an individual's um, life. So um, part of that process would be looking at, like, medical conditions. Um, we, We go based on the ASAM placement criteria. So part of ASAM is looking at six different dimensions of an individual's life, and we basically rake or, like, Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. (laughs) You're good, you're good. (laughs) We um, kind of assign a different number for each uh, section of the ASAM criteria. Um, So we're looking at um, their current condition. Is this person using currently? Are they intoxicated in front of us? Uh, Medical... things that might be going on with the individual, readiness for change, uh, their environment, um, all of these things kind of uh, are put together in a narrative-based assessment. And then we're also running some different screeners to look at um, substance use severity, um, PTSD, uh, any suicidal thoughts or anything like that. Um, So our our assessment's pretty comprehensive in looking at the whole, whole person.
2: And I think for us it's a little different in the medical department. You know, as a physician, uh, we have the ability, you know, where the to assess the patient where they're at with the history they're telling us and how they're doing it. For a lot of people, if they're coming to see us. They're in withdrawal and need help. And when we first started doing um, suboxone, you know five years ago, the thought was, well, we'd get a formal assessment first, and then we'd just try to be very selective. Who we'd start? And it didn't work very well for the patients. So if we've got somebody in front of us who's in withdrawal and uncomfortable, I mean, they call. We'll usually get them in the same day or the next day. And, and you know, once we see them, we'll try to get them started. And once they're stable, then kind of working backwards from there, we'll have um, Diane or Davey, Davey in the department do a similar assessment to what they do and kind of where that becomes important is if further services are needed and getting that on, on paper and going from there. But the, the goal is really to kind of meet people where they're at and get them the help when they need it because a lot of times somebody's coming in today and they want help today and you say, well, come back in two days, we might not see them again.
1: Um, so after the assessment is done, what are the next steps? So for us, we kind of look at the different treatment options for someone. We'll kind of establish a level of care for that individual. Um, Manasekia does um, do individual therapy, uh, group therapy. And then with residential being closed right now, we do uh, referrals out for the meantime. Um, We're hoping to get residential reopened in the next month or so. But we we then kind of just work with the person. So like if residential's on the table, we're gonna look at what their needs are. Um, there's there's a lot of different treatment centers that focus on different things. So maybe this is someone that needs mental health and substance use. There's certain facilities we'll use for that. Or if it's just substance use, um, I mean there's there's also facilities for mom mom and kids. So there's a lot of different things we kind of look at. But we start moving um, as soon as possible to kind of get that. That uh, I guess those services streamline so we can get them where they need to go quickly.
2: Yeah, and for us, it's you know we get people started on the meds. Usually, like had somebody yesterday, somebody today, we get started. um, We get them the initial doses to try to get them more comfortable and some medicines to help them overnight and see them back the next day and adjust as we need it. And then really it comes into as we go forward over the next week or two weeks, trying to sort out you know where they're at, how they're doing and what other service they're going to need. I mean, some people will do very well just with medicine, but in just brief counseling in the clinic, a lot of people are going to need more help, and that's where trying to get them involved with manasechia, and and sometimes it really is helpful getting the process. We've got most of the assessment done where they can hopefully get in get in there in a more expedited fashion, or if somebody wants to go through the county, or or if they're really struggling with depression anxiety, getting in there in behavioral health in our clinic. but trying to make it work and it's still a shortage there's we need more therapists more counselors in the community than we have but try to do the best with what we have um
0: there's a new program being launched um recovery coaching can you tell us more about that
1: yeah so our recovery coaching program which is um mid-cap i uh I didn't look that one up, so I, <laughs> it, it does have to do with Menominee Indian Tribes um, Community Addiction Assistance Program, I believe. Um, but that program is essentially a, a decent-sized group of recovery coaches who will be available 24-7. Um, there's two kind of um, prongs to that service. So the first one is a 24-7 hotline availability, and then the second one is like response. So that hotline would be utilized by EMTs, um, law enforcement, whoever, um, and it would just be to make a referral, like, I have so-and-so who really is wanting to look at treatment options. Could you send someone? Um, so then those people that are able to respond to like that crisis kind of uh, role will go out there to kind of um, figure out what the person needs and what they can help them with. Um, so the goal is to have that recovery coach walk with them throughout their journey, um, into sobriety, uh, and beyond. So that program we're hoping in the next couple weeks to actually get launched off the ground. Um, and we're hoping it can kind of fill in some of those gaps when it comes to there not being like potentially enough support available at all times of the night or day, whatever. Um, this would be kind of what we would I think depend on as a community to help with the addiction that's needed in those those difficult times. So,
2: yeah, I think that's going to be a huge asset because we get people who have a good support network at home, and those people tend to do have more success. And there's some people out there they're working hard, trying, but they're in a situation where they don't have a lot of sober friends or family members, and having somebody like this that can walk through them is, is really important and trying to help them figure out how to get to the appointments and making sure they're staying on track and having somebody to check in with. Um, we're hoping to have somebody in the clinic as well through a, um, a, the AmeriCorps program where they'd be here on a limited basis, but it's we're keeping our fingers crossed that that's going to work out where we'd get the, the, that person placed here starting in September as well. But it is just getting more help for people and trying to meet them where they're at at any given time because there's some people that if, if somebody that can be with them right at that crucial moment may make the difference between them going back to using or staying on track or just sometimes just getting to appointments so they don't get pulled back into it again. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, I don't know what they meant by this question, but (laughs) maybe you guys know. Um, If someone can't get help right away, what are the resources that are available?
1: Um, So this, I think, is another uh, way that MITCAP will help. Mm -hmm. So like I said, those recovery coaches would be available 24-7, 24-7, so whenever you know someone is struggling, these individuals can meet them, they can talk to them on the phone, text them, whatever the person would like to do. Um, along with that, we have the hotline. So the hotline will be available to not only the person that's struggling, but also maybe family. Um, so it's people that are on the line that are willing to listen, um, provide maybe some guidance or just connect with resources. Um, I think within the community, we also have a couple different programs that are available. um, Like if we're struggling to connect someone, Um, so we do have twenty four seven phones at like Manasekia, for instance, so that someone could call. Um, Doesn't mean that the person that's going to answer is going to be able to, you know, I guess be the person that's going to be able to answer a question. Mm -hmm. However, we do have people that like they'll reach out to and then they return the call. Otherwise, I know we have our crisis response program with family services; they're available as well. Um, so, I do think, like as I reflect on the last like year and a half, we have had some like ancillary programs that have come up that have really stepped up to the plate with being able to help, like in the heat of a situation or something. So,
2: yeah. And from the medical standpoint, and we've been working with the ER physicians in Shawano that if there's somebody that's in withdrawal from opioids or alcohol that they can get them started on treatment if they think they're reasonable to get them as a, the first couple of days of medicine as an outpatient then we'll get them in and we've been trying to be pretty clear that if somebody needs help we'll if they're eligible to be seen in, in our clinic we will we will see them and, and that's a huge barrier for sometimes we people to go into the er and want help and not get it so hopefully it's going to change that and make things open to more people and Can you explain what um, harm reduction is? Yeah, harm reduction is the thought, you know, in a perfect world we get everybody to quit and not need anything more than just behavioral health services. But the world we live in, it's just not going to happen. Suboxone, the medicine we use for people struggling with opioid use disorder, is a huge part of that. It's getting them stabilized on a... On a medicine that's both binds and blocks the opioid receptors in the brain, such that you know it cuts down cravings and controls withdrawal symptoms, and gets them stable so they can get, get back to functioning and hopefully you know gradually improve from there and gradually get off the medication. Um, it is a it is an opioid, and you will become physically dependent on it. So when people want to get off of it, we get, over time we slowly taper them off, but you can do it in a controlled setting and much more humanely than just saying, you know, sweat it out for four or five days being miserable. Um, other things that we'll do is, you know, making sure there's more Narcan in the community. Again, we'd love to see people not use, but it's they're going to use, and we try to encourage people. When I talk to them, you know, never use alone. You're with other people. Make sure you have Narcan available so you can reverse a potential fatal overdose. Um, if they're in most of the people you know, I've talked to, tend not to use needles which is huge because when you're using needles there's a risk of an infection that comes with with the drug use so encourage them that if they are to make sure they have at least a clean supply of needles and trying to help them figure out how to get that it'd be nice if we had a needle exchange program in the area we don't but at least it's one where just trying to raise that awareness of how you can do things safer and you know keep alive today so hopefully we can get get them on track at some point down the road.
1: Um, I, I mean, when I think of harm reduction, I think of just saving lives. So that ability to um, reduce the harm that's that's happening in our communities, and we're losing people. Um, so these are going to be all the things that we do to try to save people. Um, so just as Dr. Gunther said, um, the use of the, the Narcan, uh, fentanyl test strips, those are both two things that are pretty Prevalent in the community and then some of the newer things so like the Narcan vending machines that will be coming eventually here um, Which will be placed in some of our higher uh, Areas that we've linked to risk um, Mm -hmm. and it will be a free service that's available We're also looking at potentially um, I wouldn't say quite a needle exchange program, but being able to give out um, supplies for IV users.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: that is something new that we're using our opioid abatement money for. And I'm hoping to kind of get that moving in the next couple weeks here. So, well, wow.
2: and you could go to this extreme end of it. They will do in some of the European countries and in Canada where they do have safe use sites. And that's something politically, I have no idea how, I suspect it wouldn't be very if, met with a lot of, Favor from the legislature, the surrounding communities, but that's something that at some point I think a lot of communities need to think about. And it's going to be a, probably a while before America is ready to embrace that. But it has been proven to save lives and keep people alive. And again, it's trying to get them engaged in people that could help them get into services and realize that hey, people people care about you and want to see you stay alive and help you figure this out and walk alongside you in the in the journey.
3: Thank you for listening to the Talk About It podcast. For more information on addiction or substance use, as well as recovery resources, please contact the Manosequia Wellness Center at 715-799-3835, the Menominee Tribal Clinic at 715-799-3361, or the Menominee County Human Services at 715-799-3861. Recovery coaches are also available 24-7 by calling 715-972-3280. The Talk About It podcast is produced by the Menominee Tribal Communications Department.